Hey, welcome to episode 75 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and it's just amazing how fast 2023 is going by. The winter holiday season will be here before you know it, and the NHL regular season is just screaming by. And just to start with something a little different this time, let's start with what's going on with Jonathan Huberdo in Calgary. Apparently, it struck many nerves that he was benched recently, as many are referring to benching of this player as a disgraceful act. Since when has any player in any league been beyond benching? Especially for the reason of poor play. Isn't very high performance expected night in and night out? Why would so many people go, my God, I I can't believe Jonathan Huberto has been benched. This is unacceptable. Uh, It's completely acceptable, folks. He hasn't played well. He hasn't played well this year. He didn't play well last year. Now, two things have become really apparent. Number one, clearly, Florida won the trade that landed Jonathan Huberto in Calgary, along with some other players. Matthew Kachuk has already been more valuable to the Florida Panthers in the year that he's been there with the playoffs that they had last year than anything else that's happened in either one of these players' careers. Number two, I am not a troll, okay? I am willing to write off last year's non-performance brutal season, major productivity drop, whatever you want to refer to it as, as a direct correlation or connection to then head coach Daryl Sutter. Sutter's style just doesn't work in the NHL anymore. The NHL, as all sports have, has changed. The type of athlete that they have, how you deal with them, what they react to, what they respond to, how you can motivate them, everything. So that's not a secret. So the fact that he didn't work out with Daryl Sutter, not a surprise at all. You're just, it's a clash of opposite mindsets, which is why in the offseason, Daryl Sutter had to go. And after interviewing 25 people that weren't even players, let alone directly related to him on the roster, as far as like playing for him, they interviewed 25 other administrative people and nobody had anything positive to say about Daryl Sutter. So Sutter's days, though, phenomenal player, phenomenal family, phenomenal bloodlines, his time in the NHL has come to an end, at least in those positions. But isn't there some expectation, some results people are waiting for from a player who put up 115 points two seasons ago? Does he have some kind of clause that he is like invisible to being critiqued or something like that? And when I say that, I'm referring to Huberto. I mean, the fact is, he's a professional player. And let's not forget the very nice and, to put it pleasantly, hefty contract that he signed last year after coming to Calgary. After all the people in Montreal go, oh my God, we have to go after Jonathan Huberto. He's a free agent. We need him here. He's a French Canadian. No, you don't, because he signed exact replication of the contract that Carey Price signed, $10.5 million per season, $84 million total. Imagine if Montreal had to juggle that contract right now, in addition to Carey Price's, in addition to other LTIR players, in addition to other players that are going to be in line for big raises and contracts. Yeah, there's no growth of the salary cap that's going to keep pace with that. So thank God Montreal management was far smarter 
than the people that were screaming out to have players like Jonathan Hubido, Pierre-Luc Dubois. No, I'm good, man. We're, we're good without them. I wish them nothing but the best, but Montreal is in no need of those players at all all but we're getting away from the point so he signed a 10 and a half million per season contract doesn't that come with some expectations i mean are people more worried about his feelings than they are his performance i'm not sure that priority is in order or at least not in the right order i think people would expect a little bit more from a player who's making nearly 11 million dollars a year than what he's putting out and there has been zero chemistry on any line with any line mates that he's been with and again i get it it didn't work for him under sutter fine but it works for him with nobody that's a problem okay especially for a player making that kind of money when you're making that kind of money i'm not saying you're Sidney crosby evgeny melkin alexander ovechkin connor mcdavid leon dreisaitl but you're in the class of player at that point that you should always be having productive success and anyone you play with you make better because of your abilities or you shouldn't be getting paid 11 million dollars roughly there's something wrong with that something's way out of whack there but there's been no chemistry and no sign of success with anybody he's been put with that has to be not only concerning to the fans or at least should be but extremely concerning based on the financial investment in the organization and that they've made to him that calgary themselves the organization has to be unbelievably concerned right now going oh i hope we just didn't create a huge egg on the face scenario and it's very possible that they did i hope he snaps out of it i hope he returns to his 100 plus point seasons but wow man that has to be really really concerning now as in any episode it wouldn't be right of course if we didn't have some conversation regarding the montreal Canadiens. and there is a very interesting i won't even say discussion it seems like this concern that's just dying to cause chaos for some reason of oh my god montreal is still carrying three goaltenders on their roster how can they do that that's not right they shouldn't be doing that why that's the question i have for all the people asking that or you know making a big issue out of this is why that's a problem i mean other than the fact that could they have another forward on the team that might be more versatile in case somebody gets injured be a better line complement player or complete a line that is now fractured without a player or something like that okay i'll go with that but what's the big deal about carrying three goaltenders you don't have a martin brodeur You don't have a Ken Dryden. You don't have a Henrik Lundqvist. You don't have a number one goaltender. I mean, Jake Allen has started off the season hot. His numbers are by far the best of the three. Sam Montembeau, I was really impressed with last year. I was really impressed with the World Cup this year. I was really impressed with him coming into training camp. But once training camp started and right to this very moment that we're having this conversation, he has been flat at best. There's nothing. He hasn't been impressive. His numbers definitely aren't impressive. He may have fallen back to earth a little bit. So all these people in the offseason, they were going, oh yeah, we got to sign Sam Montebo after last year. We got to give him that $6 million per season, four or five year deal. No, you don't. He needs to play out this season and Montreal needs to see some consistency. And now, of course, on to the third goaltender, the group, Caden Primo. Caden Primo needs an opportunity. Montreal's not going to lose him for nothing. Kent Hughes is not stupid. I think he has clearly defined that and shown that and proven that as a general manager. Everything that guy touches turns to 
gold. Every deal he's made, every asset he's acquired, every draft choice he's picked up along the way has been monumental for the Montreal Canadiens in both current and future talent of that team. So he's not just going to give away Caden Primo. But let's be honest, Caden Primo, other than his two years at Northeastern, other than that season, when that season ended, he came to Laval, had a good playoffs. That's it. He hasn't proven anything. Everything he's done at the NHL level up to the Detroit game the other night this season. That's the first game that he's played in at this level that he's actually looked like a NHL goaltender. Make no mistake, if Montreal could send him down without risking losing him in the waiver wire, they would in a heartbeat. There's no question about that. But the reality is, the time has arrived for Caden Primo. Make it happen. He's approaching 25. Now, Montembeau at 25 is a more established, more talented goaltender than he is. That's not saying much for Caden Primo. So Primo needs to prove himself. And Montreal right now, if a team had three goaltenders on their roster, no clear-cut number one and stuff like that, perfect timing. They are in a rebuild, folks. They do not need right now a Henry Lundqvist or somebody like that because they're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. Now, that being said, if anybody's a James Bond fan out there, there was a movie made in 1983 called Never Say Never. So you can't say it's completely impossible and there's no way it could happen. But for Montreal to win the Stanley Cup this year, so many things would have to fall into place. So many things would have to go a specific way. So much competition would have to be eliminated along the way so they were playing the perfect opponent in every series. I mean, you got a better chance of winning the lottery than that to happen. I mean, that's just nuts. Again, it can happen, but the chances are like, you know, one in a billion, one in a trillion, probably even more. I'm sure Las Vegas could give the exact numbers on that. But the cool thing for Montreal is Montreal doesn't have to give Caden Primo, Sam Montembeau, or Jake Allen away. There are a couple of teams. Right now, one of the closest contending teams, especially before the season started, if you asked anybody, was the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, led by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They got a goaltending problem. They got a real goaltending problem. So any one of the three roster goalies in Montreal is a legitimate trade with Edmonton. Carolina has some injury issues to their goaltenders. They need at least a supporting goaltender, if not somebody capable to be a 1A goaltender, which talks about Jake Allen and Sam Montebo potentially being the perfect fit there. Caden Primo might be the perfect fit in Edmonton, because certainly Edmonton can roll the dice on goaltending because they've got nothing to lose. Skinner, anybody else hasn't really done much, especially from a consistency standpoint. So Caden Primo might just fit in there perfect because Caden Primo can then realize, well, hey, if I let in a couple of goals, I've always got McDavid and Dreisaitl to even up the score amongst others. So there's a little less pressure. I mean, it's kind of like, and I'm not belittling Grant Fear. Please don't anybody take it that way. Excellent goaltender, amazing talent, amazing athlete. But let's be honest, if you had a bad night when he was in goal in Edmonton in the 80s, you had Curry, Anderson, Messier, Gretzky. The list was endless. Paul Coffey. I mean, you didn't have to really, oh my God, are we going to even up this score? I just let in the winning goal of the opposition. Edmonton was scoring goals by the dump truck full. So with McDavid and Dreisaitl now, maybe Caden Primo could thrive because he doesn't have to be the goaltender. It's like, well, we have a chance to win if we only let in two goals. If I let in more than that, I'll probably cost the team and then deal with all that stress, which makes no sense. And another team that Primo might be the answer for could be the New Jersey Devils. Not 
not a ton of cap space, but a perfect place for a young goaltender that, again, is surrounded by a lot of talent. Not that any of these goaltenders are not surrounded by a lot of talent in Montreal, but Montreal is just a different market. In most other markets, a player can kind of just disappear or kind of blend into the background and not be a source or main source of news, critique, and criticism every waking moment of their lives. Whether that's good or bad, and I'm not going to pass judgment and say either one, but that's the case in Montreal. Montreal, you live under a microscope. Right or wrong, indifferent, doesn't matter, it happens. So maybe those locations of New Jersey, Carolina, and Edmonton are a better opportunity for those three goaltenders. Montreal right now, Jakob Dabish, looks like he's having a lot of problems adjusting to the AHL game. So Montreal right now really doesn't have an answer in goaltending other than Emmett Crotour and the three goaltending draft prospects that they drafted this year in the 2023 draft. Those are probably the most notable candidates, prospects, whatever you want to refer to them as, that Montreal has. That's not a good or a bad thing. Again, they're in a time of transition. It's, if you're going to have that problem, a perfect time to have that problem. And no, they don't need to go out and grab somebody else's star goaltender and pay some ridiculous, absorbent price, either in contract or especially by giving away the farm as far as draft assets. Oh, we've got so many extra defensemen, we can just give them away. No, you can't. No, you can't. I know a lot of people didn't agree with a remark that Mark Bergevin made at one time when he said you can never have too many defensemen. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do agree with a variation of it. You can never have too many high-end or outstanding prospects in your system, and Montreal shouldn't be giving any of them away because it's taken them up until recently to obtain them. And for a period of like four decades, we're finding nothing but crumbs or leftovers, and they finally have a significant talent pool. And just since we're talking about defense, in case everybody's like, oh my God, where's everybody going to fit in? There's not a problem. Because right now, if you look at the Montreal defense, there are two defensemen having a really, really good year. Caden Gooley, Arbor Jackey. Mike Matheson hasn't looked the same. David Savard has been injured. Jonathan Kovacevic has been very, very steady. So I should include him in there as well right now. Jordan Harris, not having a good year right now. He He's looking, something's missing in his game. Chris Weidman, of course, is out. Justin Baran has flashes. Some nights you're like, right on, great pickup in the Arturi Lettinen deal. Other nights you're like, oh, no, that's not good. So the spots in the future for Logan Mylou, David Reinbacher, Lane Hudson, Bogdan Kashikov, and Jaden Struble, and Adam Ingstrom, got a lot of talent there. And there's a place for them. So just in case of Montreal, oh, no, Montreal's not going to have a place for any of these guys. Oh, yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. Because believe it or not, out of the current defense, as much as I love a lot of those guys, I honestly believe that in the not-too-distant future, all might be gone except Caden Gooley and Arbor Jacki. So if you factor that in, that's still a bunch of guys coming. You still got six high-end, top-end prospects in Logan Mylou, David Reinbacher, Lane Hudson, Bogdan Kashikov, Jaden Struble, and Eric Enstrom. So you're doing just fine. Now, staying with the Montreal Canadiens for the moment, it has been great to see the improvement in Yarav Slavkovsky's game this year. And I know that must sting for some people because they've been dying to like label him a total mispick which I don't get, but he is definitely a better player this year. And it clearly shows, once again, the age-old common thing of how 18-year-olds generally are way too young and in over their head to make the NHL. 
especially coming from Europe. I mean, let's be honest about the last two 18-year-old players who set the league on fire when they came in. Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby. I'm sure people could come up with other players. But those are the last two. I mean, if you're talking standout elite talent at 18, those are non-argumentative options. Could you add some others in there? Sure, no doubt. But Slavkowski is a different player this year. He's a more complete player. He's a more 200-foot player. Is his offense consistent yet? No, but neither are his line mates. The unfortunate part about Kirby Doc's injury, in addition for Kirby Doc himself, which is just horrible, because I think he would have been on pace for a lights-out season. But Kirby Doc is absolutely, without question, Uri Slavkowski's center. And Alex Newhook is definitely a right wing and not a center. He's a borderline excellent right wing. He's an okay center. So if you give him the whole season, could he improve over the year? Yeah. But there are just players that are meant to be centers, even if it's their natural position. And then there are players that are natural centers that just work out on the pro side of things, on the wing, better than they do at center. It's just not the same for them for whatever reason. And there's no question about it that Montreal's top two centers are Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc. That's the disappointing thing about Doc's injury, like I was saying, in addition to Doc himself, was Slavkowski would have had a night and day different season, even productively point-wise, if Doc was here all year. I just hope Doc comes back and is ready to go game one next year, picks up exactly at the level or better that he was coming into this season, because I think he's a hell of a player and could very well be the most valuable player on the team. Doc reminds me a lot of a center that Montreal had in the 70s that was a key component to their teams in Peter Mahovlich. He's a lot like that. Mahovlich was 6'5", Doc is 6'4". They were both 200 pounds plus. Very, very similar players. Very difficult to get the puck away from. Very difficult to take out in the various zones. Great stick skills and controlling the puck. Had both long reaches and did it very, very effectively. Now, this brings me to an issue that unfortunately is centered on a very horrific loss of an NHL prospect in Adam Johnson. He was tragically killed by being cut with a skate. And this week in Montreal, apparently the media, I don't know if they're bored. I don't know if everybody's like trying to make a big deal out of it or like, oh my God, what's going on? We need the scoop. We need firsthand information. No, no, you don't. Brendan Gallagher and Michael Pozzetta this week wore neck braces in practice. There's nothing wrong with the players. The players aren't injured. They were simply trying them out. Like everybody else, I have no doubt they were taken back significantly from the death of Adam Johnson. Who wouldn't be? He died. And if you're a hockey player, you're kind of sitting there going, hey, I don't want to die. Maybe I'll take a preventative step. Let's see how this thing works before it's mandated or officially made part of your quote-unquote game gear. Let's see if it's comfortable, uncomfortable. Does it affect the way I play? Does it affect my breathing? Does it make me sweat more? Is it comfortable? Is it flexible? Do you not even notice it if you're wearing it? And that's all they were doing. Yet everybody's like, oh my God, are they hurt? Did they get injured? Or It's like, people, take a breather. It's nothing to get all, oh my God, about. It's just simply about being proactive and protected for yourself. 
you know, if you can avoid an injury, I would assume no matter what that is, a pro athlete, an everyday person, you're in a job, you're in a sport, I would think everybody avoiding injuries would be at the top of the list. Maybe I'm nuts. It is undoubtedly going to continue to be an extraordinarily interesting season. I'm curious to see just how many games San Jose can win in the whole season. You might be looking at like a 12-70 and 70 team right now. I think they're now 0-12, 0-13 to start the year with. That, I mean, they are really... Everybody thought Chicago cemented themselves in the Connor Bedard draft. Wow, San Jose has got no points. I mean, they are entrenched in last place right now. But I'm also curious to see where the Montreal Canadiens fit. They might not get a top five or a top seven pick this year. They're better than a lot of people gave them credit for. They still struggle with special teams. They still struggle against the best teams in the league, but they're improving. And that was the theme this year that a lot of people seem to overlook is Montreal management wants to see improvement and growth this year. They've implemented a lot of the new players, certainly a lot more of them to come. Let's not forget the likes of Owen Beck, Sean Farrell, Lane Hudson. The list is endless of talent that's coming. And to that point, two prospects that people should really keep their eye on in the Montreal organization that they kind of blew off and said who when they drafted him in 2023 goaltending prospect Yevgeny Volokhin and right defensive prospect Bogdan Koshikov don't be surprised if they turn out to be star players for the Canadians and I know especially regarding the goaltending prospect that I mentioned everybody's like who the hell is that well just remember a seventh round pick by the Rangers of Henrik Lundqvist don't be so quick to write off late round or non-common household prospect names because somebody doesn't know about them. There's a lot of people that have come from nowhere to suddenly go, I've arrived and you should know it and here we go. So I'm looking forward to a great season. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I still, like we talked about in a previous issue, I think Logan Cooley is going to win the Calder Trophy this year. Nothing against Connor Bedard, but I just think Cooley's got more talent around him and is in a better situation to succeed because Chicago, other than Bedard, has very little. There's a couple things there, but not much. On that note, thanks for tuning in to episode 75 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles. Have an amazing week ahead.